to another episode of Pro-Am Disc Golf. I am your amateur. And I'm Chris Telesbo. Yeah. Boy, I am. <laughs> my muscle memory It's been is, a minute. Yeah, we were just saying it's been a while. And I was thinking, like, that sounds pretty good. I was like, but that doesn't quite sound right. I'm Gavin Goodwin. I'm your amateur. And I'm your professional. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's like right. Like we never left. <sighs> I'm your amateur podcast host as well. Um, <laughs> Chris is your professional because he can remember the intro to the show. Which is funny because yeah, you I say made it, it. up. <laughs> like it's not like a, it's not like it's a hard script to follow. And I'm like, oh man, this person, you know, dialogue is impossible. It came out of my head, <laughs> and I guess it stayed out of your head. <laughs> well, it keeps it keeps going in and out. Um, you know what? I wasn't sure I was going to talk about this, but we're going to segue to this real quick because we're just talking about stuff going on in your head. Mental health. Mm. Take care of it, people. Um, I am someone, I don't know if you know this about me or not, but I suffer from chronic depression. Um, and I, I medicated for it and it helps my medication helps a lot, Uh, but I still have up and down cycles. Mm -hmm. And, um, you may have noticed a big lull between (laughs) episodes of this show. And sometimes we're like talking about stuff that happened like four and a half weeks ago. Why is it just getting posted? It's because I was depressed. So I wasn't (laughs) getting a whole lot done. Um, had a lot of other things in life going on, but, um, uh, you know, this, I love, we love doing the show and we're grateful for the people that listen to it. But, uh, this just kept falling into the back burner for me cause, uh, it doesn't feed my family. Um, yeah, that's, that's good justification. Yeah. And so, uh, but I'm saying that to say like, if you suffer from depression or any kind of or anxiety, yeah, any kind of mental health issues, like, Get help for it. Um, there are a myriad of resources. Uh, I my my insurance covers visits with professionals that are great. Um, there's free services, like especially if you're feeling like you know it's it's you're gonna hurt yourself or others. There are hotlines. I don't know what the numbers are. I should have looked it up. Um, I know one of them. What is it? Oh, you got a wristband? I do. Fun story about that, actually. One eight hundred two seven three talk. That's it. Is the that suicide, the suicide prevention? Yeah, yeah. Um, thankfully, I'm not suicidal. I'm very grateful for that. Um, but if you feel that way, or if you're just thinking about like, oh, I wonder what it'd be like to die, go ahead and talk to somebody. Um, also, just talk to the people around you. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a show about disc golf, which is an outside sport. Get out and go play. Be active. Like it's it's a huge part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes people will say, oh, you're feeling blue. Just, you know, go for a walk. And that definitely helps. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing wrong with putting on some classical music and going for a walk. But sometimes you need more help than that. And it's okay. And uh, mental illness is an illness. You know, you shouldn't stigmatize someone with type 1 diabetes. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't stigmatize someone with mental illness. Yeah. So... that was not planned, but but it's it's important. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, if you have, you know, if you need to talk, we can email. So yeah, write into us promdiscgolf at gmail dot com. But I'm not qualified. So we're not we're not licensed or no, but um, but we're ears. But if you just need someone to like, you know, if you just need to vent something, we can do that. But if you if you need to talk, what is that number again, Chris? One eight hundred two seven three talk. Yeah. Uh, I also listen to other podcasts, and there's like a there's some on like uh, phone therapy services now that are very affordable. Oh, nice. So, um, that's cool. Yeah. 
so th- there's options out there. It's worth taking care of. Yeah, if you're part of a university community, like if you're a student or something like that, there's probably free or next to free counseling available to you with licensed professional counselors. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are in school, like a public school, if you're a student, there's there's resources mm-hmm. for you there for you. If you belong to a church, um, they probably have resources to get you with a licensed, you know, clinical therapist. Um, I would I would recommend talking to someone who who is licensed, a professional, in, a professional. Um, yeah, I've mentioned I'm a religious person, but uh, <laughs> if people in my church need financial help with uh, therapy. They go. They, they actually go to therapists. They don't just see their ecclesiastical leaders. So, um, yeah, that was a good well, good tangent. There's the jokes. <laughs> oh. No, no, that's important. It is. It is. You can't. You can't say it enough. Yeah. I, I mean, you need to take care of your physical health. Take care of your mental health as well. It's mm-hmm. as important, mm-hmm. if not more so. Absolutely. So, all right. Um, Pro tip, take care of yourself. Why do you have that wristband? Uh, so I was actually after a round of disc golf one day, I went to this place down by our local course to eat. And this woman and her son came in and they had just come from like the suicide prevention walk. Oh. And he noticed my space tattoo and he got all excited and started talking to me about it. And then told me his story about his attempt and why they do the suicide prevention walk and how he's like a huge advocate now. And he had like three or four bracelets on and he gave me one. And I was like, this is awesome. I will wear it. I've had it on for probably two years now. Oh, I didn't know. I, I never even noticed that um, that's what it was. Yeah, it's the, it says life is worth living on the other side. And I figured, yeah, I was talking to his mom motto. the same day. Uh, yeah, this is a heavy topic already. But um, I was talking to her about my coaching and how I want to be a teacher. And she's like, oh, it's super relevant high schools right now. Like all these kids are going through so much. And somehow I just kind of wear it as a token. So that maybe if, you know, one of the kids I work with is in trouble, they'll see it and they'll remember that it's okay to ask for help. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of an epidemic. Well, not kind of. I'm not trying to, to downplay yeah. it, but like... It's an, it's an issue. Teenage suicide's a big issue. And uh, our local state, Utah, is not... It, it's been hit pr- really hard mm-hmm. with it's, that. It's um, I mean, one of my wife's friend's uh, nieces took her life. A beautiful... I think she was 14, 15 years old. It's tough. And I, d- I don't know the whole story, but she took her own life. Mm-hmm. And, um, ugh, just, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. I mean, it's, if you, if you think that, uh, taking your life is going to somehow make things better or, or if that seems like, uh, if that, if that's something that you're at all considering, please talk to somebody. Call that number. What mm-hmm. is it again? One eight one eight hundred two seven three talk. Yeah, which is probably eight two five five. Okay. Um, yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, because it's <laughs> even if you don't be- believe that there's people that care about you, there are. They might not be the people who should care about you, but there are people who do care about you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. All right. We're back. <laughs> We're back. Um, thanks for listening. And, uh, yeah, again, let us know. If, if, if anybody needs help and we can help, let us know. Uh, but, Chris, we got we have fans of the show. Yes. One of them wrote in uh, with a question. 
Fire away. This is from Ryan McKeon, and he was really eager <laughs> to get this question answered. Hi, Ryan. Uh, I'm just going to read his whole email. Okay. I'm a huge fan of the show from here in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. I got to ask. Oh, we'll get there. We'll oh, go ahead. Fine. Do you call yourself? Oh, he'll, he'll, he answers that. Don't oh, okay. Worry. okay. Don't worry. He, he gets there. Okay, let's go. Uh, he and I had a little back and forth on, on Facebook. This, okay. is, this is via Facebook uh, through our Prime Disc Golf page. Okay. I'll wait for my answer. Um, I've been telling everyone about the show, so keep it up. I love that. He also did, yeah, he did do a, like a rate, he rate, did a review of us on Facebook. Yeah. Thanks, friend. That. Yeah. Um, I happen to be one of those unfortunate people born with shorter than average fingers, mm-hmm. which makes it hard to comfortably grip larger rim discs. How much does rim size play into a disc's stability, or are the rim sizes more for player comfort? So that's interesting. We'll stop okay. there because that's a question. <coughs> um, well, first thing, you're not alone. Uh, Eric Oakley also has stubby little fingers and he's found a way to make it work. He's pretty good at this game. Yeah. He's doing all right. So I don't think it's necessarily a disadvantage. Like I have ape hands, like I got pretty big hands. You and I both. Yeah. And I have a hard time holding smaller rim discs. So I think it's all just kind of a find what works for you. Find a comfortable way to play kind of thing. Um, but rim size I don't think that affects stability. And stability does it? are separate, um, kind of. Well, mostly separate, not entirely, because stability depends on speed. So there's a little bit overlap there, but stability is mostly about like disc profile and disc characteristic. The bigger the rim, the faster the disc. So if you can't get it up to the speed it flies at, it's going to feel more overstable. It's not really. It's just the speed. Well, the of idea it. is just to get more weight to the outside of the disc, correct? And so more can... wing for more lift. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Wait, sorry, less drag because it gets wider, it gets flatter, it's yeah. less drag. So, so it, should, it should go farther. Yeah. Um, not necessarily more left or right. Yeah. So I mean the the rim size is just taking the same mass and trying to put it into a more aerodynamic profile. Mhm. Mhm. So, so that's that's where you get wide rim discs. Yep. The only the only stability you'll see is if you know, if you're throwing 40 miles an hour and a disc needs to go 70 to fly how it's supposed to, you're not going to see that flight. You're just going to see overstable because it's under speed. Oh, and maybe that's what he's referring to because yeah. um, discs that are understable for you mm-hmm. are stable to overstable for me mm-hmm. just because our, our arm speeds are yeah. significantly different. So that, that's the only rim size to stability correlation is if it doesn't get up to speed, it's going to feel more overstable just because they always at low speed are overstable. Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you. I kind of, I don't want to, ch- I don't, I don't wish I had smaller hands, but if fairways were more comfortable in my hand, I probably would have helped my game because mm-hmm. I would have been throwing those instead of high speed drivers. Mm-hmm. Um, when I should have been throwing fairways instead of high speed drivers. Yeah. And so. I, and I think it's like I was saying, I think it's pretty personal. Yeah. Like if, if I'm throwing a mid range or a putter, I fan grip it. I only have my pinky on the rim and the rest is fanned. And then I don't throw a speed six, seven, eight because I can't quite fan grip it and I can't quite power grip it. So I just don't use them. And then at nine and faster, I power grip everything. Yeah. And that's kind of the solution I found that works for me. Um, and I know Eric's grip is different than mine. His hands are noticeably smaller than mine. So naturally, you know, you're gonna have to use a little bit more like wrist turn to get the disc locked in there, but play around with it. Um, if there's a grip that you haven't used that, you know, might end up working in six months, it's probably worth playing around with instead of just saying, I can't throw these because it's not comfortable. What did, uh, 
would it be easier to flick with shorter fingers? I'm wondering if that's um, See, longer fingers are going to give you more. Snap. They should give you a little bit more torque on it. But I wonder if it would just be more comfortable. I just don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. So I mean, that's a whole other thing. It's starting to throw backhand, but if that can help you get distance. Yeah, and and I I mean I know of at least three or four different backhand grips you can try. So don't be shy to like you know find YouTube material or blog material about oh yeah things you can try and maybe you'll find a way that's more comfortable for you also though if you're playing at a level that you feel like is great and for your courses with fairways mm-hmm. then stick with them yeah and if you can throw i mean yeah exactly if you can throw a fairway as far as you need to you yeah. don't need big rims yeah because there's I, overstable fairways and understable fairways absolutely i mean <laughs> chris throws his emac farther than i can throw any of my high-speed drivers mm-hmm. um so he doesn't need <laughs> anything faster than an emac to get distance Mm -hmm. it's just you know how he wants to shape the shot or do different things with Mm -hmm. them so um yeah if you can if you're getting what you want if you're fairways doing what you need it to do and you're not feel like you're missing something by having a disc that you don't like to throw don't throw it there you go that's fine like there's nothing wrong with with having discs that you go yeah i tried this and it didn't quite work for me and now i use it as a practice disc or i'm going to hand it to someone else Mm -hmm. that's starting to play that's also a beneficial thing to be able to do just be like you know what i've tried it not liking it. Yeah. When I got to that point where I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to take stuff out of my bag because <laughs> I, and it, that was, I felt like that was a <coughs> excuse me, milestone in yeah. my game. And, and that's part of why I carry about 12 discs. Yeah. It's because then everything in my bag, I really like throwing. Yeah. There's no like, well, I could use this disc for this shot. I never throw that shot. Yeah. Just out. Out with you. That's uh, how I ended up simplified. Yeah, I carry more discs than that, but Chris is better than I am. That's why he's the professional, and I'm your amateur. I'm your Gavin Goodwin. (laughs) All right, uh, he continues. I I really love most fairway drivers because the more comfortable rim size, but I cannot throw them right-hand, backhand nearly as far as is sometimes necessary. So I end up parring or bogeying holes. I should birdie because of this. Okay. Um, So then. that's, That's the end of his question. So that's. So a little address on that. Um, not throwing nearly as far as you need to is not going to be resolved by throwing a bigger rim disc. No, that's, that's that, to me. To me, that's not a. I can't hold this, therefore I can't throw far enough. I guess if you are throwing your fairway four hundred feet out and you're trying to to birdie on a six hundred foot hole, then <laughs> you could be playing in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Then maybe that's the case. <laughs> But um, I'm gonna guess that that's not the case. Yeah. Um, I mean, if if you got if you watch Joma's Central Coast coverage, you've seen Paul McBeth throw a putter 500 feet. So I did not see that. It, but was, it was like 465 straight line. Just putter. Boop. So if if distance. Sorry. Keep, keep <laughs> what you. I do not want you to forget about what you're talking about. But why would he throw a putter? It's just a straight shot, and he trusts it. Oh, okay, and he knows he can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Simon threw a 450 putter over a pond. They just they can, so they do sometimes. So they do. Yeah, it's like I know this will go straight. This is gonna just. Mm-hmm. This sport is. It's getting to weird places. Yeah. 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 Have you ever seen like the old wide world of sports footage of like the last two holes of the 1976 world championship? No, but I've watched a lot of like the nineties world championships with like all the Coke banners everywhere and like the real sponsorships. And no, this was like on the campus at like UC Irvine or something like that. 
and I think it's Wild World Sports, and they just cut in for like two or three holes, and they're playing with like whammo frisbees yep. basically. Yep. And it's, I mean, to go from there to here, yeah, is if just... you if you want to see throw far, watch the Jomez just uploaded. Uh, wait, yeah, shoot, I don't know if it was Jomez or Central Coast. Nate and Germ did the commentary, but they did a skins match up in Vermont. It this part two went live like this week. Um, watch that, and you'll see why Paul can throw a putter 450 because he does something silly. All right. Anyway, okay. Um, so if you're throwing fairways and you're not getting the distance you need, and you're not playing 600 foot par threes, uh, I would step back and try to work on your form a little bit, um, because most park courses you don't need 400 plus feet of power to play pretty well. No. So if if you're bogeying and you feel like it's just a distance issue, um, either reevaluate your grip, try something new, or step back and work on a better reach back or linear pull through or you know, kind of break down the form a little bit to actually generate the power instead of just trying to find a disc that helps you get the distance because that doesn't exist. Sorry. Spoiler. Yeah. No, if there was, everyone would have it, and that's all they would have. Yeah, and I will also say that if you love fairway drivers because they feel good in your hand, throw them. Yeah. You know what I'm going to say? Try the Aerobi Epic. Because if no. it's too wide it's on one lie. side, you just turn it over and it's... <laughs> He's lying. <laughs> He's lying Have you thrown you. that again? Nope. Two throws in its life. Both pretty good. Yeah, they did go far. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, also, fairways, go far. Like yeah. I, I've, I stopped throwing the escape from dynamic discs because it went too far. Like, I love the lines I could get, but to get the lines I wanted, it went too far. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I don't need this because that's what my high-speed stuff does, and I like the feel. Yeah. So play around with it. Find what you like. Throw what you like. And if you really want more distance, I'm sorry, discs won't do it. No. You can probably get, let's uh, 5 to 10% of what you're throwing from maybe a better disc, different disc, glidier disc, more understood, whatever. But if you want a noticeable distance increase, it's form rework. I would say if you want to just change something on your disc that's going to make a difference is go down in weight. Oh, yeah. Weight's good, too. Because um, if you're throwing heavy stuff, when I went down in weight, I noticed a difference, like a, like a, a, a significant difference. Um, again, 5, 10, 15, 20%. But that, that adds up, you know, yeah, just, well, to, sure. just to get a little bit further. And um, so... Yeah, and and then it's the same disc that you know how to throw. Like mm-hmm. if if you get a disc that's getting a full flight for you, but it's not, but you're like, hey, this should be going, you know, another thirty, forty feet farther, and you've got a heavy max weight, drop down to a mid sixties. Yeah, I mean, you don't need to go like one fifty something because that's maybe too light, unless it's not. Yeah, but yeah, just drop weight on on whatever you're throwing and see, uh, see if that makes a difference. I I am in the camp of. Two, three, four, five grams, you probably won't notice. No, yeah. Um, a lot of players who are way better than me and worse than me are all, if it's not 175, I don't throw it. Like, okay, well, yeah. if I give you this 173 stamped and you throw it, you're not going to be like, oh, my God, that's so light. Because it yeah. probably scales at 175 anyway. So Yeah, I'm just going to mention again that they weigh discs before they <laughs> trim them. Yep. So if you watch discs like, get made, they weigh them when they've got – Several flashing. grams of flashing, yeah, plastic just just hanging off mm-hmm. that they then shave off with a razor. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's an approximation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I think there's some websites that like 
weigh their own discs yeah, and restamp them. them. Like that's fine, mm-hmm. you know. But I've yeah. never scale weighed anything I've thrown. Me neither. Because and as long as really it's care. stamped for everything but mid ranges, one seventy or higher, I've had good luck. Yeah, I've, I have a few one sixty five like enforcers just for fun shots. And then mids, I throw like 174 plus, up yeah. to 180, and I've had no problems. Yeah, I've got, I think, one or two 180s, and those are just kind of like, I've got, I think I've got a chariot that's 180, and it's like, I just need something burly that's going to mm-hmm. fight through like a bush or something. Mm-hmm. It's a little more mass. Um, but yeah, like mid 60s, high 60s to low 70s, and then mid 70s. Yeah. That's kind of the three categories where stuff tends to make a difference for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, if you want, and then below that, it's like wait, it's wait. too yeah, almost too light. Yeah, They're, it, they can be really fun. Uh huh. Um, to pull out my super light Starlight Roadrunner again, that was a fun disc. Light lightweight's fun. I will say, if you want to, if you want to notice a change in flight, drop at least five grams, maybe yeah. more, and be careful dropping like thirty grams at a time because your timing will go with it. Oh yeah, that's because a lot. it doesn't feel the same in your hand and you're like throw and you end up holding onto it for like 4 extra seconds and yeah. it goes 90 degrees right because it just feels different until you're Paul Macbeth and you can throw a pizza box on time. He probably could, couldn't he? I bet he could beat me with pizza boxes. Uh, you know, are they are they like new pristine pizza boxes for or the are first they... couple of holes? Okay, so they they haven't like they haven't been sitting in like the under the heat lamps at Little Caesars for a while. No, it's like a, a clean box. Okay, they're just ridiculously overstable. Can he could... can he tape it so that it doesn't like completely fall? Yeah, apart? it'll stay closed. Okay, I bet he could throw it two hundred feet. Where are you playing? Doesn't matter. <laughs> I have that much confidence in him right now. Uh, the only thing I think that would be limiting is okay. Are we talking like extra large? Well, okay, pizza getting in like... the basket would be yeah. tricky. Bigger than the target. <laughs> That's the only thing. <laughs> he's trying to drop like, it, and he's like, balance? Yeah, but it's like one of those novelty, like, you know, four-foot-across pizzas. Oh. <laughs> that he just has to, like, shove it in like a coin. Yeah. Oh, gosh. That aside. Yeah, that I aside, I think, I think you're it. absolutely right. Uh, I'm sure he could beat me with a mini. A lot of people are actually really good with minis. Yeah. There's. Oh, I wish I remembered. Uh, Anthony Barella comes to mind. He was in a... Some sort of exhibition or skins match. Might have been like a skins match at Milo, BSF time. I don't remember for sure. Um, but he's thrown a mini on a few holes. Like 300, 400 foot mini shots. Just fun. Just, just for fun. fun. Uh, it's fun. Yeah, it's impressive. Goodness. They fly, but not not like, not that easy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Ryan, I hope that helped. Um, if not, let me know. Yeah. Let us know. But uh, he continues because he didn't just ask a question. He's not just taking. He's giving. Uh, Ryan gives us a hypothetical. Yeah. For those of you new to the show, a hypothetical is a hypothetical but disc golf themed. Perfect. And uh, I'm pretty sure I made that word up. You did. Yeah. Yeah. Early on. Yeah. Um, I, please send us these. This is a fu- I love these. This is my favorite part. Yeah. All right. Uh, hypothetical. Operating under the rule that no matter how you putt, you make it in the basket 95% of the time if the putt is within 100 feet. Yes. Uh, either way. Deal. Uh, would you – oh, no, no, no. Okay, so that's uh, – that's Preface? 
that's just like that's just setting up the world we live in. Oh, that's not the option I can take. Yeah, we are just okay. amazing putters. We okay. have ninety five ninety five percent accuracy within a hundred feet of the basket. Again, so we're Paul McBeth right now. <laughs> Guys doing well, stupid things. Yeah, I think we might even be better. Um, <laughs> would you rather be completely deaf and see every putt go in, but never hear the chains, or would you rather be completely blind and always hear the chains but never actually see it go in? Oh, thanks guys. I hope to go out to Salt Lake one day and throw with you. Well, you are welcome to go. Yeah. When you're here, holler. Uh, wow. I mean, I have an obvious answer, but I'm trying to convince myself otherwise. See, that's not always an obvious answer. I've I've had this, uh, same hypothetical, I'm hypothetical question with people, not not related to disc golf, but. Yeah, like, would you rather be deaf or blind? Gosh, Chris, is this is this stump? Well, so my 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 instinct is obviously I would rather be deaf. Um, but in the disc golf context, I was trying to justify saying I'd rather be blind because if I can make ninety five percent of throws from inside hundred feet blind, one, I'm incredible. Yeah. But could I get to within a hundred feet? Oh. Like if I'm playing blind. Like I'm not going to be able to get from T pad to 100 feet. If you've got a good caddy, I bet you could. Because that's just assume that everything else is the same. Like I've I've done it. Yeah, you can throw. You can throw far, and if someone points you in the right direction and says, you know, throw 400 feet that way, or throw it, you know, yeah, throw, throw this disc. Um, that could be functional. I think. I think when we played our blindfold doubles, this happened a couple years ago. Last I don't know. Um, we got off the tee pretty well, and putting was horrendous. Like the best putter in Salt Lake, like six putted the first hole, just back and forth. <laughs> Couldn't find it. Well, yeah, because you can't see where he's right? throwing. But given that the putts go in, I mean, within 100 feet, that's like you're going to be top 20 disc golfers in the world if you can throw where somebody tells you to because you just make everything. Yeah. So no matter what, you're in good shape here. And I think it'd be cool to be blind and be that good. So you're going to go with blind? I think so. For disc golf context. All right. Yes. Uh, and that's that has nothing to do with the sound. I don't care what the baskets sound like. It's not like rewarding to me to hear the chains. It is a it it's is a just, nice sound, but yeah, it's just the the concept of I can't even see what I'm doing and I'm beating people. That's awesome. <laughs> that's like Daredevil stuff. Yeah, that is cool. That that is like Daredevil. Yeah, that's like Matt Murdock. Yeah, once you're within a hundred feet of a basket for that one thing. Perfect. Um, Perfect. Uh, for me, I'm gonna go the opposite. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to, I'm going to keep my sight and, uh, I, I don't want to be either, but, um, I have been spending not a ton of time, but I've spent a little bit of time around the deaf community. I studied ASL as my foreign language in oh, college. Nice. Um, and knowing a handful of deaf people and it's, uh, like once you're in that community, it's very not. Not not really much of a limitation, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's why I was clear to say contextually. Yeah. And so even like in the disc golf context, I like to play by myself. And I Perfect. like to drive myself to the course. And there are deaf disc golf associations. I'm sure there are. Yeah. Like one per state, they do national things. Prodigy has a deaf team. Like it's it's still pretty prevalent in disc golf. I don't think there's a blind disc golf club. If there is, let me know. That's That'd be sweet. Awesome. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I had a blind roommate in college for like a semester. Mm-hmm. 
Um, he was a great guy. Uh, and I mean, he was like doing really well. He, I only had him for a semester cause I was coming in and he was graduating and then he went on to a master's program. I think he did an MBA. Cool. Um, here, I believe. Um, but, uh, that's cool. You know, and he could do so much, but his girlfriend had to drive him places. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you would see him on the street, you go like, oh, hey, it's me. Go, oh, yeah. Okay. Hi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And yeah. So, uh, yeah. If if it was a choice between deaf and blind, I would choose. I, I would rather get myself to the course and be able to navigate the course Yeah. on my own. Mm-hmm. I might get hit with a stray disc occasionally because I couldn't hear four playing by myself. But I mean, what good is it, though, if you hear four and you can't see anything? You just cover your head. Good point. Like, oh, let me know I'm when it's... sorry. It, that just seems so sad to me. Just let me know when that. it's gone. Just the, oh, my gosh. The blind disc golfer just getting pegged in the head. That's sad. I think, I've, I think we talked about this before on an earlier episode that, like, if you're not playing frisbee, you're going to get hit in the head with it. Yep. Yeah. Inevitable. Yeah. Uh, so just just for the disc golf phenom, I would go with blind. No, that if it were outside of disc golf, I agree. You I would, would be, be you deaf. would be an absolute celebrity in the sport. In oh the yeah, and like, I wouldn't even know it. No. Well, no. I mean, you could know that. It's, I would know I'm it, winning. I wouldn't know like <laughs> crowds and reaction and. You're not. You're not like. I know. Develop, developmentally disabled. I you're know. just blind. Yeah. You can know that you're popular and that people like you and you can hear the crowd. Yes, but it's different. <laughs> what, Ups, you upside. You couldn't watch yourself on YouTube. That's fine. And you never like get nervous about who's watching. You just play. That's true. Advantage too. I wonder if that's true for deaf for blind people. I bet that's not. I bet they if they know that someone's there. That they're they, worried about. I, I don't. I have no idea how to even imagine. If you are blind, let, write in and let me know. What's I, w- I would imagine that that's the same nervousness, like some sort of pressure. Well, I would guess that the uh, like public speaking, you would have a similar rate of trepidation that you would among um, a blind community versus a sighted community. Huh. I bet it's pretty close. Yeah. All right. Well. I don't know. I don't know either. I'm uh, a... Hey. If you're deaf or blind and playing disc golf, awesome. If you're deaf, you're probably not listening to this show. Uh, but hopefully someone is and telling you how great it is. If you're blind, I hope you are listening. And I hope you're all playing. So. Yes. <laughs> Well, we don't we don't transcribe the show, so I know that's why it was funny. <laughs> I feel bad laughing at that, but it was funny. All right, uh, so Ryan and I had a little back and forth. He wrote back again. Okay, um, he said I've learned so much about how to think, and this is really cool, actually. This is so I wanted to share this because I hadn't considered this. Okay, uh, I've learned so much about how to think on a course by listening to you guys. Oh, I'm now just trying to throw within my means and breaking down each hole using a story arc. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's neat. First is my exposition, which is asking, what have I thrown before that would work for this first tee shot? Then my rising action, which is executing that shot based on that information, which will lead me to the best climax, which is where best to land my upshot to give me the easiest falling action putt. The resolution is essentially whether my falling action worked and I made 
or miss the putt, falling action. When I break down a hole this way, I'm forced to think about the whole hole, start to finish, and consider all possible outcomes, which definitely makes the game more interesting, especially for introverted people. Woo-woo, introverts. Um, Guilty. <laughs> um, that's interesting. I've, I've never yeah, heard never anyone do that. that. No, me neither. I've never even imagined that. But the idea of thinking of a whole, like, start to finish, that... Sound. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would imagine that if you talk to Eagle or Paul or those guys, like, yeah, that's just what they do. Yeah, that's course prep. Yeah. Or and, practice. Yeah. I mean, you if you look at... Uh, you think about... Um, so many sports, but the one that's coming to mind with it is ski racing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're if you're ever watching ski racers and they show them like before they're going out, they usually are showing them with their eyes closed and mm-hmm. like imagining and with their hands like as their as their hands with their skis, imagining every turn yeah. on the course. Climbing. What's that? Climbing is another really good one. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Any any competitive climber when they get to the bottom of a route or bouldering problem you'll see them look up and they'll do every hand move just run through it real quick because they know where they're going and what looks like what yeah it's muscle memory yep but it's also just like rehearsing rehearsing it Mm -hmm. because it's reminding yourself what you're gonna do yeah and disc golf i think is the same thing like that's that's not to say that you don't things don't change but if you know that hey a hyzer with this disc Mm -hmm. should get me here and that will set me up for that, and then I can, you know, mm-hmm. that's a good way to, to do it. So. Yeah, it's good to both have the game plan and the visualization of yourself doing it correctly or doing it well. Uh, I try this. Like, <laughs> when Eric got me into tournaments, we would sit down and we'd go through a course we were going to play the next day or weekend, and we'd go hole by hole, like what we're throwing, where it goes, what we do from there, the whole course. And so for, I don't know, probably five events – I would have a little notebook in my bag, whole one. I'm going to throw this enforcer to here and then this truth to here. The whole whole book, whole course, whatever. And usually by like whole three or four, I'd look at it and be like, no. And I'd do something else. I was like, I just can't commit to something so far ahead and be like, yeah, it's totally right. Would he stick to his plan? Yeah. Yeah, that's why he beats me. Yeah. Um, well, that's why he's like, he he's he's consistent and a touring professional. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I have a hard time with that too. Like I, 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 just, I don't. I would have a hard time just sticking with that plan. I don't have the attention span. Like, <laughs> yeah. you can tell me the eighteen shots that will get me a good score, but if there's one shot that I'm like, "Ooh, that looks like fun. I wonder if I can do that." I'm gonna take it. Yeah, every single time, because it's fun and I like fun. Yeah, it's hard for me. I don't play a lot of like sanction rounds or, or you know, uh, but it's hard for me to when I'm in that situation to like just say no just play what you're what you know is gonna work Mm -hmm. like don't try something goofy don't don't wonder what this disc will do off this tee oh god if i had a dollar every time i've done that a lot of dollars i would have a lot of dollars. yeah and in a practice round great that's what it's for um but you you play like you practice and practice rounds sometimes i will just tell myself like no I am going to play this as if I were actually trying to score, you know, like, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm going to play this the way that it, I'm basically going to give myself tournament rules for playing, yeah. you know, this That's round. That's good practice as well. And it, it's really good. Pra- that always improves my game. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm, I, I always play better 
than when I'm just, you know, like, oh, well, let's try this, you know, five drives. Mm-hmm. And I, I will allow myself to like take a mulligan if I need it. Cause I'm like, oh, I, I want to feel this different. You know, mm-hmm. I, that didn't come out right. I want to, cause it's still a practice round, mm-hmm. but, or if I like miss a Mando, I'm not going to beat myself up about it. Yeah. Um, but I always play better when I, I guess I would just say I play conservatively. Like, yeah, I'm so bad at that too. Yeah. I try, I try to lay up sometimes about, okay, this is the right shot. Just lay it up. And then I miss the layup because I never practice them. Like, well, ah, sometimes worse. I will think I'm going to lay it up and then I'll be standing there with the same disc that I'm laying up with and think I can run this. Yeah. <laughs> or even like T shot layup, but like there's a safe landing zone and a little green. Ah. I'm like, we'll lay up out of bounds. Why, why would you ever try to lay up? I don't do that. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Anyway, personal problem there. You know what? Maybe you need to play around where you are shooting for par. That'd be good for me. That would be good for you because that would force you to take more conservative shots and to really look at different options instead of just attacking the bat. Because you can throw so far. Mm-hmm. I need a better course to do that, but I could find one. A portal you could do that with, or yeah, that ooh, I'm even do that. roots. You could. I mean, that would be a good challenge for you at roots is to really try to play that for par because it would put you in spots that you're not used to being in too. That's true. I could make everything a two shot. It's a good idea. Okay, I'll try it. Yeah. That's what I do all the time, trying to improve my game. <laughs> Can't get there, two shots. <laughs> but back I mean this whole this whole little segue, whatever topic. Um, good tournament advice is plan your play and play your plan. Yeah. Like know which holes you'll go for, know which holes you're okay with par, bogey, whatever. If you have to lay up twice, lay up twice. Yeah, it's super beneficial to just know what you're going to do and execute it, and be and confident. And it's not going to go exactly the way you planned it, nope. but get back on track. Yep. And if you, I mean, if you wrote, you know, hole seven, Emac Truth, I can reach it, and then you get out there and there's like a 30 mile an hour headwind, it's obviously adjust. not still an Emac Truth. Yeah, you need to adjust. Right. But the the more mental work and decision making you can save, the better you'll do because you'll have the ability to concentrate longer. Well, and that that could help you with. Um, this is someone who's never done this in a disc golf, but um, you shank a hole or like you have a really bad hole. You're not, you don't have to brood over that Mm -hmm. going in because the next hole you can pick it up. Like if, Mm -hmm. if it's, you know, throw my, uh, for me, like throw my uh, Pharaoh and then lay up with my harp and tap it in. But I shank my drive and I've got to, you know, pull out an Emac or some kind or a Maverick maybe to try to make up that distance. And then I miss a putt and that hole, you know, not my plan on that hole just completely fell apart. There's another hole that I can restart my plan on. That doesn't, the bad shots don't have to carry over if I've already made a plan and I can stick to that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the things I like about football too, is like you line up and you start again. Yeah. You know, it's not, um, there's so much of that game is mental. Like you can let mistakes carry through plays mm-hmm. and through possessions and it happens all the time. But if you're really exceptionally good at that game, you line up and you just, you execute the play mm-hmm. and you don't worry about the last play. You execute the play that you're supposed to do. That being said, you haven't picked out every single play. You know, you're adjusting to the defense and what they're yeah. doing, but. You but once, once you're set, in. it's like a T-pad. You're yeah. set, and you get to do what you need to do. Yeah, if you need to call an audible, you can call an audible. But you've got to play, and that's progress. And if you're calling an audible, you're changing it to a different play that you've already practiced, and that's mm-hmm. already 
you know, so. And I mean, to disc golf tie that, I think one of my favorite things about um, the Nate and Jerem commentary or, you know, any of the pros who do commentary, other Nate and Paige and God, they've had a bunch of people. But when they're watching coverage of themselves and if they have a bad shot on a hole, a lot of, a lot of the time you'll hear them say, yeah, I was in a spot I've never been in. I never practiced from over here. I had to kind of just figure it out. And so even their own commentary of their rounds, you realize they have this all planned out. They want to be somewhere on the left yeah. so that they have this line to where they want to be. Right. So when they hit a bad tree and they're like, I've never been here. I don't know what I'm doing. You can see their, you know, improv, their recovery skills because it's new. It's not rehearsed anymore and they have to figure it out. Yeah. And that happens, you know, less to them and more to the rest of us. But the plan is still there and they can, you can tell by how they commentate that they had a plan and they missed it. Well, and if you practice with that plan too, then you'll also get the practice improvising mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because things will change. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Jeez, Ryan, you've given us lots of stuff to talk about here. Um, is that uh, more? He says, uh, hope that made sense. Essentially, I've shaved off so many strokes thinking this way, which is awesome. Uh, he then clarifies a question that we had a few episodes ago. Apparently, it was in our A Bunch of References okay. episode. I don't know what number that is. I don't either. Uh, he says, currently listening to your A Bunch of References episode, you're talking about the UP of Michigan. Yes. We call it the UP and a Uper. That's oh. what I thought. That's what I was saying, wasn't it? How did he spell that? Y-O-O-P-E-R. Okay. I'm sure I spelled yep. it wrong. It's got to be Uper. Uper. Yep. And a Uper is someone born and raised in the UP. Oh. We call people from the lower peninsula trolls <laughs> because they're, quote, <laughs> under the bridge, as in Mackinac Bridge. Oh, funny. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. That, that's exactly what I was going to ask you when we started this. Yeah. Well, I knew. I was like, oh, we're going to get there. I skimmed ahead. Uh, so thanks, Ryan, for writing in. Trolls. Um, uh, we really appreciate that. If you've got questions or hypotheticals or, you know, want to tell us about your local um, vernacular, promdiscgolf at gmail.com or facebook.com promdiscgolf or instagram at promdiscgolf switching gears again Chris you took a suggestion of mine I did and I'm so glad I did there's this little show about some superheroes that we talked about Uh, it's called The Boys I think it's on Amazon Prime yeah and wow (laughs) Uh, not at all what I was expecting but Every bit better than I was expecting. Yeah. I, the only thing I'd heard is that it was about superheroes and that it was really good. Yeah. I didn't know that's any all, of the context. I, I didn't know any of like the, yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It's and mu- I don't want to say anything more because I think that's the best way to go into mm-hmm. it. I would say it's, it's much more logical than I expected. Like I picture that being more realistic than... Oh yeah, superhero. Oh yeah, cinema. She's like, oh yeah, that's exactly how it would really work out. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's heightened, but of course, yeah. But watch it. Highly recommend. Uh, if you are an adult, <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely <laughs> not pre- for children. Yeah, it's a um, yes, it's a mature audience kind of show. Yes, and it very much <laughs> earns that tag. Um, yeah. I jeez, Louise, it. Yeah, it might make Game of Thrones fans blush. Like it's, it's yeah, it's not it's not all light viewing, no. But I think it's I mean for almost all of it, I really liked how it was done. There's one part that made me a little bit uncomfortable. Okay, 
tell me off the air. I really just don't want to spoil. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to say anything. Um, but other than that, thirty second scene, I I loved all of it. Okay, awesome. Uh, I might know what you're talking about. Maybe. Um, yeah. I mean, it's. But if you are into superhero and you're okay with a little bit of a lot of it, a lot of. If you would see a Quentin Tarantino movie and, and enjoy say, it, man, we could do a little bit more with this. Yeah. You'll love it. Um, like if you thought, if you saw The Hateful Eight and were like, oh yeah, that's an acceptable amount of violence, uh, <laughs> you're probably going to be okay with it. <laughs> yeah. I, I would not watch it with your children. Oh no. No, 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 no. 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 <gasps> okay. We will get there. Speaking of things I watch with my children. But uh, you were saying before the show that you liked it so much and you were wondering, should I just wait for the next season or should I read the books? Yes. Um, I read the books. They're on, um, most of them are on Comixology Unlimited, okay. um, which is, I love comic. Personally, think it's worth it. Um, Perfect. Um, but uh, yeah, most, if not all, are, are on there. Um, but it, the sh- series, the show, deviates enough from the books that they just kind of can't follow the same course. Okay. At least not, definitely not directly. And so um, I think you, it's just like watching, getting more of the same the material. Same. Yeah. Okay. Just a different story with the same characters. Yeah. Cause when it ended, I was like, man, two years or a year until the next series. They're already filming the next season. So oh. I think it's supposed to come out this summer. Okay, that's more bearable. <laughs> yeah. I was so disappointed. Oh, it's it's incredible. And I was like, yeah, that's why this came up is I almost immediately went to find the comic. I was like, wait, do I want to do this? I, so well, I was the same I thing. And I was like, I'll just read the first arc, like the first omnibus. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, you know, that's. And I was like, oh, this deviates enough that it's it's fine. And uh, uh, the comic is worse than the TV show as far as some of the content. Just a heads up there. Good warning. Because it can be. Um, yeah. But uh, it's insane. It's it's really good. It, it was, yeah. Uh, Hi- highly recommend. Yeah, oh yeah. Speaking of watching things with kids, though, and, and hearkening back to a previous episode uh, from a few weeks ago. Yes. Uh, my three-year-old and I were snuggling, and... Um, something I can't remember exactly how it came up, but um, I was looking up at the SR 71 Blackbird, which I think is just the most amazing thing ever it's engineered. One of the best things we've ever built. Oh yeah. Human. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that Saturn five and the shuttle, like as far as aerospace, I don't know that yeah. and you've got to put, too. you've got to put the right brothers plane because that just yeah. got us there. But I mean the SR 71 to me is like the coolest thing ever have you built in like 68 have you read any um commentary from blackbird pilots a little bit i read i had a book about it when i was a kid like a a coffee table book there's one i don't even remember if i could find it but um blackbird pilots you know super high super fast kind of just trolling people um it started with somebody in like a little cessna learning how to fly doing a ground speed check and they got one up to buy a commercial they got one up to buy a fighter and the Blackbird pilots chimed in over the fighter and just like, a, get out of my sky. And it was, I should find it. It's so good. Yeah. Well, and anyway, I mean, can you imagine being like a commercial pilot flying over Las Vegas and all of a sudden, and 
you know, this plane was developed completely in secret and you're just seeing like this shiny, odd looking shape going 2000 miles per hour above you. <laughs> just nuts. The SR-71, they, when they, when it is on, the, okay, flight prep is done by a different pilot because they have to spend so much time in that seat that they can't, that it's not, it just doesn't make sense for the pilot who's actually flying the mission to be the one doing it. So mm-hmm. they take turns prepping each other's flights. Um, when that plane is sitting on the runway, taxiing and ready for takeoff, it is hemorrhaging fuel. Are you aware of this? No. It's a well, titanium skin plane. Okay. Um, and it is, uh, they, they fill it full of fuel, they fill the tanks, and it's just dripping fuel, jet fuel, all over the runway uh, out, of, out of its fuel tanks because it flies so fast that the friction causes the titanium to expand and seals the fuel tanks. Oh, wow. That's what seals the fuel tanks. Wow. They couldn't put a bladder in it. Or like weld a tank shut because it it has flex, so much yeah. friction on it that titanium expands and seals the fuel tanks. So when they take off, they have to refuel almost immediately in flight. Because they're losing it while they leave. It's just dripping, dripping, wow. dripping fuel. I mean, they don't fly them anymore. They're retired. But That's like, amazing. There's one up at Hill Air Force Base too. I really want to take my kid and go see it. They're so cool. So I was... Here's that story. You can read it later. If you oh, want. okay. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I was at a... It's just looking up SR-71 Blackbird and my son was looking at my, he was, I was snuggling with him and he looked at my phone. He's like, I was like, Oh, these are cool planes. And so I started showing him pictures of planes and he, he was liking it. And he said, I want to see jets or planes. I want to see planes. So I was like, okay. So I went to YouTube prime opportunity and I looked up top gun and, uh, could not find a really good scene, so I went to iTunes and I bought Top Gun. Yeah, <laughs> and my son and I have been watching the dogfighting scenes from Top Gun together. Awesome, and he loves it. That's so cool. He'll climb up with me and say, "I want to watch planes," and, and we will watch Maverick and Iceman and Viper and Jester and uh, everybody. That's so cool. Yeah, I even showed him the trailer for the new one. The new one, and he liked it. And he, it's so cute <laughs> when he sees the jets flying around. I like that one. That's my favorite one. Is that a bad guy one or is that a good guy one? Oh, it's the best. It's probably so, Maverick. Uh, the language is a little rough <laughs> for a three-year-old. You just turn it down. He, yeah. That's, uh, yeah. It just goes over his head. Mute. But, uh, yeah. But, um, yeah. That's awesome. Top Gun's awesome. It is. Can't wait. Um, well, I think that's it. Yeah, is that it? That's a lot of it. That's a lot of it. <sighs> well, youpers and trolls, thanks for listening to our show. Trolls. <laughs> I'm so glad that's a thing. My family's probably trolls then. I don't know if they're from Wisconsin or Michigan. They lived in Well, both. I guess theoretically everybody's south of that. I mean, most yeah. of the country. If you're not a youper, you're a troll. Yeah. Um, but thank you for listening to our show. Uh, if you have questions... Programdiscoff at gmail.com or hypotheticals or statements or uh, your experience being a blind putter. Um, Facebook.com slash programdiscoff. Uh, Instagram, programdiscoff. Yep. And uh, anything else, Chris? Until next time. Yeah. Keep throwing plastic. Cheers.